Good to be together, and it's great to have the two sites together. Um, before we get going on what we originally um, brought us together for, I just want to—I want to take a few moments just to talk about where we are because it's important to recognise what's going on in the world, isn't it? And to say how do we respond as God's people and as a community here and personally. So, just for a couple of minutes, I just want to say a couple of things into into it, not telling you how to wash your hands or anything like that, that is way beyond my pay scale. But, um, but just from the point of view of how as God's people do we posture ourselves and respond in these moments. So, and then I'd love us just to pray after the back of that, if that's okay, and to just say, God, come, um, bring healing in this land and into the nations, and um, let's just pray in a moment. So, how should we respond and act in these kinds of moments. And, and the first thing I want to say is that, that Jesus, um, we've been saying this actually through um, our time in Exodus, that God draws us out to draw us in. He's always drawing us to himself. And these kind of times when we face these moments, um, whether it's famine or war or um, diseases or, or death or challenges in life, whatever it might be, God's always using these times to draw us to himself. It's what he's doing all the time. He's drawing us to himself. And I want to encourage you to see what's going on right now through that lens. Jesus, draw me close to you. That's so important. That we personally, we draw near to our Lord Jesus Christ and we are strengthened in faith, in spirit and in truth through him. That we spend time in the scriptures praying, um, trusting, clinging to him. That we, we continue to break bread. These are our rhythms of discipleship. These are our rhythms of what it is to, to be followers of Jesus. And actually taking time personally to say, God, I, I'll use this time to draw me close to you is so important that we don't just kind of stop as Christians. Because actually we're not just physical bodies that need looking after. We are spiritual beings. And our spirits need looking after. And actually... The very way that God has designed us as human beings is that when we look after our spirit, somehow that also flows over into life and into our physical bodies. It does us good. And so we need to continue to meet together for times of fellowship and friendship and laughter and worship, okay? And we will have to adjust as we go along. It looks like it's here, you know, to stay for some time it being coronavirus, um, but gathering together as God's people is what we do, even under challenges. And we might, not, we might have to make a call about what it looks like on a Sunday morning or not, but we still need to find ways as God's people we commit to meet together. We need that as part of our life. Actually, not just for us, but, but also the town needs God's people to gather and strengthen one another in these moments. So please don't cut yourself off from community in these moments. So let this bring, let God use this to bring us closer to Himself and to one another. Secondly, I just want to say fear kills faith. And that's not to say that we're just ignorant of what's going on and there are real challenges, and it's not just to say brash, kind of useless comments like, don't worry about it. But we have an enemy who loves to sow fear into minds. Listen to what Jesus said. Do not worry. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I just want to make this so clear. If you are here and a follower of Jesus, you need fear nothing. Not even death itself because of Jesus and what he has done. For, for, for the Christian, death is still a win. For a Christian, everything that comes against us is still a win. In fact, the Psalms tell us that our lives are full of toil and trouble. So these moments um, shouldn't throw us. In, in Psalm 90, it says this, The years of our lives are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Well done, you strong oxes. Yet their span is but toil and trouble, they are soon gone, and we fly away. So do not be thrown by what's happening in the world right now. Don't let fear rise up in your heart. Trust in him. Look to him. Take strength in him. Jesus taught us to expect times of trouble. 
he, he actually said, this is what it looks like. This is what it's going to look like. All through, until Jesus returns, we are to expect times of trouble. And in times like this, if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts and our thinking, we can begin to find that faith erodes. And I just, finally, I just want to say this, that with everything that's going on, Brexit, flooding, coronavirus, I, we are in the last days. Jesus made that very clear to us. We have been in the last days since Jesus was walking on earth and died and ascended and rose to life and is seated at the right hands of the fathers. We are in the last days. And if we're not careful, we can kind of go, look at this, Brexit. See, a sign of the end times. And, and now coronavirus, a sign of the, well, Well, yes, but all through the church's history, there have been signs that we are in the end times. We should look at these events in the world and war and famine. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25 so clearly that we're to say, yes, these things are signs of childbirth. They're signs that this isn't what's, all that there is. And it points that, that actually Jesus is true to his word. You don't, have to, you don't have to go into this crazy, um, please hear my heart in this, but into this crazy, Jesus must be returning tomorrow. Every Christian, every age of the church, we should live as though Jesus is returning today. That's how we're meant to live. It's how the early church, the first Christians, they had this expectation, Jesus is returning. Church, that should be our expectation, Jesus is returning. So do not be thrown We are in the last days and have been and will be until the good news is preached to the whole world. So don't grow weary of waiting for Jesus. Don't grow disheartened, lethargic. Don't fall asleep in your following him. As Jesus says, look, these are, these are signs that you are in the last days. He then says, he gives some parables about what it looks like to, to live alert, saying, yes, we are in the last days. And I want to encourage you to read those in Matthew 25. That Jesus says, keep alert, Christian. Keep alert. And the reason that Jesus tells us about these events that take place all through human history and will continue to take place until the day that he arrives is because as Christians we draw strength and courage from the very fact that Jesus has told us these things will take place. So he's still on the throne. He's still absolutely sovereign over everything that is going on right now, right across the face of the, uh, face of the earth. And we draw strength from these things. But what these things also do to us is they make us long for our future glory, our future home, our future Renewal of creation, heaven and earth together. Listen to this in Hebrews. As it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Talking about the heroes of the faith. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom, this good news of Jesus Christ, rule and reign, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In Revelation, we read this at the end. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So don't let these moments throw you. If you are here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I have no words of hope for you except this. Run to him. Run to him. Throw yourself upon him. The very point of these times for you is to, that you would wake up to the reality of life that we are here for but a moment. But there is a saviour. There is one who can rescue you through death itself. Not even just a, a plague, but death itself. And his name is Jesus. And I plead with you, run to him. So practically, we're going to continue to gather. If you are not in a small group, can I encourage you to get into one. In effect, let's reopen the bookings um, so that we are together gathering in community. Let's use this as a moment. This moment we're in provides us with an extraordinary opportunity to be communities of love 
to care for one another and our neighbor. And we're to see it like that. We're to see it as an opportunity. In fact, the church should thrive in these kind of times. We don't hunker down. We thrive all through history when the pressure's on, the church rises. Right from the early days, back in the time of Rome when plagues were very common, a common occurrence, the church would go to work and serve. So let's recognize people are in fear. Let's continue to trust in one another and for God's grace to be among us as a community. Let's choose to live generously and can I ask that we pray, that we continue to pray. Let's pray for Swindon, let's pray for our government and let's pray for us, the church. Let's stand and we're going to do that just for a few moments. Come on, let's really stand. I'll just lead us in a couple of areas to pray into. If you want, just get into small groups if that helps. Just turn around to people near you. I'd love us, first of all, just to pray for our government as they, and the governments of the world as they lead in this and um, give advice. Let's remember as we pray, we're not just, this isn't just wishful thinking, God help. This is God, you are able. Okay, so let's pray for governments that they have heavenly wisdom how to deal with these things. Come on, let's stir faith for a moment. We're just 30 second burst of prayers. Keep your prayers really short. Let's go for it. Heavenly Father, we do pray for the governments of the world and for our government. We pray for Boris Johnson and his team and those who are advising them right now into this. We pray for wisdom and understanding, Lord. We pray that you would, um, you would grace them with that, Lord. Provide them with that, Lord, where they need it. Lord, we pray that our government would help serve the most vulnerable in our communities. Lord, we pray that you would, um, you would lead them by your spirit in these days. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, let's pray now. Um, let's pray for Swindon. Let's pray that, that in this town, that as people, our neighbors and friends and family are in fear, let's pray for the hope of Jesus to come. Let's pray that people would consider the, the fragility of life and that it would be an evangelistic opportunity. Let's go for it. Right, let's, let's um, pray specifically. I was just said a great idea. Let's pray specifically for um, healthcare professionals, frontline people, um, that, that God would give them supernatural energy to, to serve into this um, situation. Come on, let's really bless them right now as we pray. Right now for our nurses and doctors who are serving and, and those who are caring in the community. Let's pray, for, um, let's pray for grace in the supermarkets as well. Come on, let's, this is what it looks like to pray for our town. Let's go for it. Father, we do lift our town to you, Lord, this great town that you love, and we pray for its blessing today. We pray as your, as your people, as your family, full of hope and faith that you are faithful and able. We pray that you would break in to our town. We pray that even you would use whatever it takes to cause people to look to you and say, God, help me to turn to you. We pray, Lord, there would be a turning of hearts to you in these days as people um, are struck by fear, as the idols of our age fall face down, the, 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 the folly of security and self-security. We pray right now, God, that you would breathe on this town. We do pray for our um, education, so, uh, sorry, our health services and our education. We pray for nurses and doctors, Lord. We pray as they give themselves to serve the sick in this community and are having to make huge adjustments. We pray for great grace in our hospitals and, and, and surgeries, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those here in Gateway who are nurses and doctors and on the front line in hospital work. We pray, keep them safe, Lord. Lord, we pray that for our nurses and doctors, protect them as they serve the community. Guard them. Lord, we pray that you would give them strength to continue to serve and give themselves. Lord, we pray this for the nations of the world. We pray people would tell miraculous stories of, of I encountered Jesus and he gave me energy to keep serving. Lord, we bless this town in your precious name. And now let's just pray for the church in the town that this would be an opportunity for the church to rise up in love and service. I think there are moments like this, when sometimes there are things that we kind of forget are, are bread and butter for the church. They really should be bread and butter. And as we see the world scrambling to cope and scrambling for um, provision of all kinds, actually ours is not to scramble, ours is to trust that God has got us and that he will provide and actually to go the other way. We're to be like rats on the sinking ship, we run the other way but to the danger to serve. So let's pray for faith, for the church to rise up, for it to shine 
like stars in the night sky for, for the grace of God to be upon his people. Come, let's really bless the church in Swindon. Let's bless local communities, uh, outposts of heaven in this town that are, see, that are planning. How can we serve those who are most vulnerable and at risk? Father, we bless this town. Lord, we bless your church this morning in this town, Lord, and in this nation and the nations. We pray that great grace may be upon your church in these days. Lord, that we would recognize that actually what you've called us to be is to be an out there people, a people of service and love. Just, Jesus, that you step down from the comfort and security and glory of heaven into the mess and disease-ridden world. And you've served among us as a servant. And I pray that we would reflect you with astounding beauty in these days. Father, I pray that even for us as a community here, one to another. Father, I pray that we would love and prefer one another. I pray that we would meet each other's needs, that the world would look on and say, wow, wow, you care for each other so well. Father, I pray for great grace upon us, that we would, we would love one another deeply in these moments. In a new way, Lord, do something new in us through this, Lord. Lord, cause us to love one another, Lord. We, I pray for those who feel on the fringe right now. I pray there'll be a pulling right in. And Father... Lord, and I'm sure just statistically we're likely to lose friends and family through this, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to so care for one another through this time. Great grace upon us. So we bless one another this morning. And we pray that, that your grace and your comfort and your alongside help would be with us. Your spirit would motivate us to serve and love as you've called us to to lay down our lives for your glory. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, do grab a seat. Just to say, we do have a welfare fund also. Um, and practically, it is there for these kind of moments. Right now, there isn't a lot in it because we do make use of it. So if you, um, if you would like to, and can I encourage you, if you are able to, it would be super helpful to um, intentionally give into that. And then as need comes up in the body, we can actively... Um, meet that need, okay? That is how we care for one another. It's a real practical demonstration um, that we look out for one another. And just to again say, if you are ill and if you are in need because of finance and that, please do come and let us know. And we will do whatever we are able to as a community to help serve one another in that. Fab. So one thing that we are to do in the midst of challenge and difficulty, is to continue to push forward with the mission of God. And what is unusual for us in these moments, actually for the majority of the world and for the majority of human history, is actually kind of very normal. We, oh, how, we need this, how are we going to get it? Ah, I'm fearful because this might happen if I step out my front door. For so much of the world, even today, these are kind of normal fears. We, we must... Recognize that we have such a luxurious lifestyle. And I recognize there'll be some here who are struggling, and I get that, but overwhelmingly, we have a luxurious, comfort based lifestyle. And my heart is God, even would you wake up your church in these moments? Lord, reposition our hearts, do whatever it takes to cause people to turn to you and to awaken your church to who you've called us to be. It's important that we continue to push forward in mission. The early church saw themselves as, as, um, as the people of God, as households of God, as communities of God who were there for this very reason, to serve and to say, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid because there is a God who loves you. When the world is going, does God care? The answer of the church is yes, let me demonstrate that to you. We are a missional people from the start until the day that Jesus returns. And so we must see that mission is actually not, this is not now just a change of gear, this is an essential part that we say, no, we are about something as God's people. It will change as context change. But we know that we are a people on mission. I, I saw this quote from um, Tozer yesterday, um, A.W. Tozer, and I just thought it was superb. A scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. So this morning, for um, a few moments, I want to bring you up to speed with where we are as a church, um, part of our journey, what God's doing among us, and how we're 
um, looking at um, the, the days ahead as a team, but I want to do that with that context ringing in our ears of Tozer's words. Come on, we're called to be a fearless church. We are called to be a fearless people because God has got us. It's why when Rachel a moment ago is sharing her story of, of look how God's led me, look what God's doing, it's not disconnected from the moment. We, we go, yes, of course he is. Of course he is. He's raising men and women. He's repositioning us. He's helping us to, to see our sphere of influence as a kingdom people. In fact, I'm convinced that God even takes moments like this and uses them to help us as followers of Jesus, whatever our sphere of influence, to see I am here as a, as a, as a representative of the kingdom of God. In whatever sphere I'm in, oh my goodness, has being a, a, a shelf stacker in a supermarket ever been such a kingdom work as right now? It becomes clear, doesn't it? This is kingdom work. It's absolutely the kingdom of God. And so we're to see ourselves. And I'm, I'm, before I get going on exactly what does it look like for us, I am convinced, even before coronavirus, by the way, that God is wanting us to, to radically reassess the church in these days. From being uh, a people who look inwards and say, how do we make this thing work? To being a people who say, we're here, Swindon. We're here, nations of the world. That we are, first and foremost, a missional people. Because God is a missional God. That we are here on mission. There is a world that is petrified. Fearful of death. And we have a hope. And I'm convinced in these days that God is asking the church to respond radically to that. So as I'm talking about Gateway in particular right now, and what does it look like for us? Please, please let's not just think inward and small. Let's carry that. We are here, fearless for Jesus and his glory. Amen. Father, I want to lift just the next moments to you and pray that as I share, I pray, Father, that you would do a work in our spirits that would uh, draw us to you and to one another, that would call us in and on in the mission you have us on. Lord, I pray, I pray that that would be a work of your spirit right now, even as we just um, step back and see where are we? Who are we? Who's God called us to be as a people? Father, I pray, I pray right now that you would um, begin to, to just settle in our hearts. This is who God has called us to be. This is what it looks like for us. So, Father, we pray that you would um, bless us in these moments. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and just ask that you would open our ears and hearts to all you want to do, both now and in the days ahead. We're here for your glory. Amen. I'm not going to go back at all over the um, last few years, but simply to say, I recognize it's been a, a tough, a strange um, season in all kinds of ways, um, personally, um, for us as a team, um, even us as a church in certain dynamics, and um, just want to acknowledge that, that we are a family, and like any family, you have moments where it's, you know, easier, and moments where it's harder, and so, again, we kind of, we, we expect to have times when there's challenges in life, that is just part of the rub of being a people, the people of God. And so I just want to acknowledge it's been tough at points, but I know that God has been with us in it and through it and has been at work. In fact, we recognize just through even um, the, the, the prophetic lead um, that we are entering a new era. Don't get stuck on that. We're to weigh prophetic words, so don't, don't get hung up on what does that exactly mean. And we, we weigh it. We say, God, what, are, what does that mean? What, is it, what are you speaking to your church in and through that. But I still believe that we can take hold of it by faith and say, yeah, we, we recognize it. it resonates with us personally. It resonates with us as a team and our wider family of churches and, and actually um, the churches across the town. We recognize there is a new era that we are in and standing on the edge of. And therefore, that's going to be an, an, a season, an era, sorry, that is unfamiliar to us. But it also means that things should begin to look different both in us and in front of us as a church. And as Nigel and I were um, just driving back from somewhere on Friday, um, 
Nigel was saying, isn't it strange that even the new era language is all over, the government are talking about it right now, about new era. We're in a new era. The day we, um, we, I don't know, Boris Johnson signed the Brexit deal, um, and he talked about this is a new era for the nation. And, and it is a new era, but so too in the church. And, and, and we've long said, and Andrew Leakey, who planted Gateway Church 27 and something years ago, he used to talk about what God's doing in the natural, he's also doing in the spiritual. And the, the nation's in a new era. And so too, the church is in a new era. And so back in October, um, as we've heard this morning um, from Rachel, Janet Brand Hollis was with us, a, a prophet among our family of churches. And at the end of the meeting in the West, um, Janet prayed for myself and Emma publicly and she said this, I see a season where perhaps you take a month off and you will just begin to realign and allow God to concrete the things of God in your heart for this house and to get perspective once again. And you would say, but Lord, we've had some time off. But the Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. God is bringing a new thing or birthing a new thing in Gateway. And as Janet said, that just resonated with myself and kind of feeling, yeah, do you know this last year, I don't feel like I've been leading and running off, off of kind of going, God, give me faith for this. Um, and so it just felt right to do that and respond to that. So in December, um, I, I didn't take December off, but I just tried to clear the diary um, and get before God and say, God, well, my, this was my intention. God, what's your plan for Gateway? And then this was God's intention. I had two weeks um, of being ill in bed and... Um, and everything in me was saying, God, give us a plan. Give us a plan for the next bit of gateway. And I just simply felt God said this to me. I don't want you to talk to me about that. I, I'm not going to talk to you about that. I'm not going to talk to you about what next gateway. I felt like God said, I want you to pursue intimacy with me. I want you to come to me. I want you to just be with me and enjoy my presence and trust me. I've got that. And boy, sometimes is that hard just to say, okay, God, but God, we've got this great thing we're about. What does it look like? Hey, come and pursue intimacy with me. Come and spend time with me. Not to get somewhere, but to enjoy my presence, to know my love again. And I, I recognize that through that time even that actually just my walk with Jesus over the last year or two had become hard and you know that because actually prayer and even time in Scripture becomes more of a duty than a joy and a life-giving and a, just a sense of, God, I'm in your presence. Thank you. And just over December, I just felt like it was just a time of reconnecting with God again. And just, oh, my book's in the bag, but the book that Nigel recommended the, the other week. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Can I encourage you? to get a hold of a copy of this. Um, I've just believed that it is such a book for now. Um, And it's just one of those books that God was speaking to me through. I've actually still got one chapter to go. Um, But it it was one of those times where I just felt through December, it was about connecting with God, saying, God, I'm here for you. It isn't about what it looks like or where we go. And so in December, just I was praying for us as a team and as a church. But just most of all, I felt God was saying, come on, I want you to enjoy me again. And so that kind of was the shape of December. And then coming back in January, we, I just knew that God was cementing in my heart, as, as Janet said, that, that allow God to concrete the things in your heart for this church, for this house, as she said. And, and actually, just by spending time with God in prayer and, and reading and reflecting and praying for us as a team and church and my life, and I just felt like God came and just began to do that very thing. Just gave a new sense of confidence in who God has called us to be as a people. Not about a plan, but a sense of God's with us and for us. And so I felt exactly that, really, that just by being with God, he just cemented 
his plans and his purpose in my heart for us. And really, I found myself, as I was reflecting at the beginning of January, just with this phrase in my head that I believe we have a God-given call to become a resource church that can serve many thousands in this town, in this city, and be a blessing to many churches in our city and beyond. Just what, what did God do in that time? I just believe that God cemented that this is what God has called us to be and do. I have such faith and expectancy for us to do that, to become a resource church. Come back to that in just a moment. You see, I don't think that's actually anything new for us. It's not like, right, we were going one way, now we're turning and changing direction. Rather, I feel like that what God's done in my heart is to, is, we were talking about this as a team, and Al said this the other week when we were talking about this. He said it's not so much that, that it's a new thing, it's just that God is refocusing us in on who he's called us to be with a new confidence. So why a resource church? Well, firstly, because it, it just aligns with the prophetic that, that right from day one of Gateway, of who God has called us to be. And so it's in our hearts, it's a prophetic DNA, if you like, within us. And not only that, other people have recognized it of us, and, and, and we just, with friends and partners and other churches and leaders, as we connect with them, there is this sense of, yeah, there's, there's something in us that God has called us to be this. And so it's not just us saying this of ourselves and believing it of ourselves. Others are recognizing it of us. And also then thirdly, we feel it in ourselves. We feel in ourselves, this is who God has called us to be. So we take hold of the prophetic and recognize what other people are saying to us. We recognize, yeah, we've been called to, to, to do this very thing, to be a resource church. So what is a resource church? Well, in Acts the book of Acts, we see the church in Antioch, and they are a model example of what really a resource church is. And in, in, for time, simply this, a resource church recognize that their role is not just to make disciples and love one another in their own context, in their own church community, but that they are to serve the wider church in its mission. So as we, as Gateway, as we kind of say, what does this mean for us we, we've lived with this tension for a long time, actually, of, of gosh, how do we care for one another well? And how do we, how do we play our part in this town well and, and build community here and make sure that, you know, as we gather, things work well? And yet God has called us to not just think of that, but to look beyond where we are. How do we do that well? And there's a tension in that. And we felt that tension as a team, and I'm sure as a church, for a long time, gosh, this is a big thing that God has called us to. Our resources are going to always feel stretched. We've recognized that as a team. That as God has called us to this, we are going to be stretched. So let me just take a moment to say what do I think just some of what this looks like for us. The reality is as we focus in on what this means for us in the days ahead, it means we're going to have to be obedient to God in this. It means we're going to have to say, God, shape us around this. Reshape us around this. Help us to become most effective in the way we are structured and thinking and understanding ourselves that we can play our part being who you've called us to be. So a, a resource church is a pioneering church. A resource church is a pioneering church. It pioneers initiatives. It resources initiatives. It's continually looking to take opportunity for new ground. As pioneering is a hard and costly route for any church, just in life, pioneering something new is hard and costly. It's a, it's a church that seeks to release people into the mission of God, not just in terms of, not just in here, make this work, but to, to, into initiatives that God has placed in hearts right across this route. Some of you are here because you know God has placed plans and purposes and desires and dreams in your heart, and, and you're in part here to, be, to have those very things unlocked. A resource church is a multiplying church of leadership, sites, church planting. We have to understand that is part of what we're here for. 
I know we, we are east and west at the moment, and that's great, but it's not enough. And the challenge for us is that we can just find it so comfortable being where we are that we forget we're meant to be a multiplying people. A resource church is a church, I believe, that is to um, raise and release Ephesians 4 gifts of pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, shepherd. We need those gifts among us. We're to actively seek them, release them, recognize them, call them what they are. Not that those guys come and do and girls, by the way, come and do the thing, but that those gifts come and release and train and equip and raise up more. I really believe, when you look in Acts, there was, there was teams of prophets and apostles working together. It's, it's, it's a defining feature of a resource church, and so that's part of our edge, is God, would you do this among us? Would you raise up? Would you bring to us these gifts to help us take ground in this? These gifts, I believe, are meant to operate as a, that it creates a, a powerful training center. And it's not, by the way, that we don't have any of these gifts. We've got many gifts among us already. A place where people are equipped, these gifts raise sight, they sharpen our edge, they cause us always to look beyond where we are right now. A resource church is a church that has and embodies incredible generosity of heart. I cannot emphasize this enough, that, that if we want to pursue this, generosity of heart is the currency that enables you to resource. It, there is no shortcut to this. There is no cheap way to be a resource church. We need huge hearts of generosity. And so even on Friday, Nigel and I were with um, the Good News for Swindon. We gathered some... Um, the steering team, churches choosing to work together and partner together. And we were there. And Trudy Wrigley from Dorkin, literally just, we drive past. If you're in the East, you know we drive past St. Paul's every week. And Trudy Wrigley serves there as the minister there. And she is, I'm not going to share her personal details, but just facing so many challenges left, right, and center. And she is feeling worn down by them, both personally and in the church. And she said, and then there's this other thing where we've had to have asbestos moved. Uh, removed in the building. I don't even know how we're going to pay for that, and it's just another thing. And, and as, as Nigel and I were driving away, just saying, we can help. We can help with that. Just even if we can practically do one thing that says we, we're here, we want to help, we wanna, we're not just here for our own interests, we want to strengthen others in, in what they're doing. And we, I just dropped her a text message late that evening and just said, Trudy, so good to see you. So sorry you're facing all those challenges right now. We'd love to help as best we can financially. I, I know it's a token. And she just said, she texts me back and she's like, I just burst into tears reading your text message. And it takes generosity to, to be a resourcing people. There's a cost to it. It doesn't come free. It means we're going to have to find ways for God and in ourselves, God unlock resource, unlock finance. Where we are right now, thank you so much again for all you give. Thank you so much for your generosity over and over, but to be a resource church, we're going to have to say, go to God and say, God, would you unlock resource for us? God, would you unlock finance for us? God, this has got to be something that you do within us in surprising ways. Because what you have called us to is a big work. It means we've got to invest in leaders. It means that we are here to seek the blessing of the town. And we're to see ourselves as church on mission in the town. It means we've got to stop seeing, I go to church on Sunday, and we start to, to, to have an inversion of that and say, I am the church, and we are the church as we gather together in homes across the town. As we gather together, as, as you go to work tomorrow morning, we are the church, and we're finding ourselves beginning to think, this is what it looks like to be a resourcing church, is we find ways that we go low and serve the community. This isn't particularly about, some of these things are true of the church in general, general, of course. But I read this great phrase the other day um, about the church of the future, and it said this. It said, we have grown accustomed to feeding consumers in the church, rather than calling followers of Jesus to obedience in him, to shaping our lives around the call of Jesus. Come, die, 
to yourselves, follow me. Come, die to yourselves and follow me. And I believe we've got to work hard among ourselves and in our own heart to say, God, the, the spirit of the age is one of being a consumer. God, don't let that be true of us. Don't let us look like the world. Don't let us shape ourselves, even as church. You see, it isn't about this bit of the building here. This bit of the building here, we need an inversion of the church where it isn't, right, leaders, elders, that's the pinnacle of church. No, it's not. It's a, it's an, we need an inversion of that where the very point of this and, and elders and leaders and, and gifts among us is to release the church to be the church. And we've got to begin to think and talk like that and encourage one another into that. And when somebody says, I'm so sick to death of my work, is, but you're the presence of God in that place. You are the church where you are. I love when I talk to Rob about working at the college. And, and, and Rob has a particular um, set of skills. Uh, he's very dangerous. Um, he will hunt you down. He will find... No, um, not that kind of skills. But Rob has an amazing teaching gifts and teaches philosophy and RE at the college. And I love when I talk to Rob and he's like, every day I get to talk to young people about God. Every day. And I know in Rob's heart he sees it as this is kingdom. That's why I'm there. I, it doesn't have to look like this. Great, Rob's got amazing gifts um, that can look like this. But I love it when I talk to Rob and he's saying, this is... It thrills my heart that every day I get to go and talk to people about God. Young people, no less. But, guys, that's what all of us, wherever we are, that is the church. When we gather together, it's to encourage and strengthen one another and say, it's all right, he's still on the throne. He's got you. And so we are to be a church that makes disciples and raises and releases disciples who are obedient to Jesus in mission. Not consumer feeding, but saying, come on, be a follower of Jesus. And this is where this book, I just, it's the simple things, by the way. It's, it's literally being yoked to Jesus. It's changing the rhythm of lifestyle to say, hey, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus again? Along that we're a church where anyone can invite anyone. A church where everyone is welcome. Along our, ch- our times that when we gather together, whether on Sundays or in small groups, the gatherings are always focused on being pioneering. Uh, we've got to get that in us in the days ahead. We've got to make space for stories and, and for Rachel to say, not just, look, God's enabled a new thing in my life. Isn't that great? Which it is great, but saying this is what he's doing. And we celebrate that understanding that that is the church on mission. Again, this is not just a resource church issue, but I believe we're to model in this. Resource churches also model things that we are to pursue diversity. And I, I know I've said this before. And I know we're only just touching on it. And God's grace is among us. Even as you look across the room this morning, recognizing the nations are among us. But diversity is not an option for the people of God. It's, it is the future for us. A multitude And we have to pursue that intentionally. We have to pursue that in the way we lead, in the way we think. We have to grapple with that. And I want to say that it is essential, I believe, to being a healthy church. Again, it's a hard thing. It's a costly thing. But it's right. Again, the poor. A church, as a resource church, that we go towards the poor. Not just to do good to the poor. Hear my heart in this. It's not just so we can pat ourselves our middle-class selves on the back and go, oh, I helped somebody today. That makes me feel good. I think God might like that. But then in actual fact, again, it's a turning upside down of that in the kingdom of God and saying, no, God has given the poor not as a project for middle-class people to look after, but he's given the poor as an essential part of being the church, that we are on mission together. And we actually need one another to reflect the glory and the beauty of God. I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this and just praying into this, and I, I feel like, God, would you help us understand what it means to be a church who take the poor on mission with us, not just go and do things to help alleviate poverty. We're about something more than that. And then, I believe that being a resource church, that even prophetically over us as a church. Rob Davies, 
a number of years back, spoke about us being a church. We're not just here for one generation, but for many generations to come. And I, I, right in my heart is I want us to be a church that builds for our children and young people. That, that understand that, boy, do they deserve a lot more attention than they get right now. And just so you know, Al right now is back carrying youth, and it's tough. And it's just another area. And there's, the reality is, like any church, if you feel slightly guilty right now, good. But a very small number of people do most of the work. It's true in business. It's true in life. It's true in organization. You get that 80-20 rule. 20% of people do 80% of the work. 20% of people give 80% of the finance. 20% of people give their time, energy, and effort to 80% of what we're about. I want to invite you. I want to invite you that as we focus and say, God, help us resource, not just ourselves, but others, that there's a part for you to play. Not to sit on a seat as a consumer, but to be released and... and and set off into mission, wherever that might be. That as we gather together, we're not, oh boy, I'm back serving again today. That's, that's what families do. We serve one another. It's, it's just, that is family life. Somebody has to clean the dishes. But we see that as a joy. We see that as we, see that as we gather together, this is a joy. What a privilege as God's people we get together. I hope that if we don't get to get, gather together over the coming weeks, I hope our hearts miss it. And we realize what a privilege it is. So, we're called to be a resource church, and therefore we need to shape and structure ourselves appropriately in response to see that happen. There's many more things that are part of that and that we need to discover along the way. It's going to mean that we live with the tension of both local church and the bigger picture. We've just got to get used to that. It means we've got to have big faith. But now, I feel that God is giving us new confidence. I know he's done this in myself. Given confidence not to worry about what others are doing. Not to worry about how others are doing this. But to say, no, this is what we're doing. This is what our job is, and let's go get it done. Together, there's a confidence to step into that. Knowing that our job is to get on being faithful to what God has given us to do. And fueling that by the Spirit and through prayer. And I just want to say that that kind of church uh, that sees itself like that on mission. There is, I love the local church, so hear my heart in this. But that kind of church is saying we're not just here for ourselves. That's what I want to give my life to. That's when I know that God has cemented in my heart that I'm here. I'm here for this. I'm here for this vision. I'm here to, I'm here to help the team with this. I'm here to help you guys with this and play my part in that. I'm here. I'm wanting to say, God, I give myself to this kind of church. Boy, is it beyond where we are right now. But we have already been doing this. Good things are already happening with Ian and Anna and forging connections. This, across social action, across the town. Andrew with the gate and gateway furniture. Dan Reed has just um, got this new job serving in night shelter. Shirley and, and many of you here working and for safe families. We're already resourcing the town. We're already resourcing other churches. It's already being recognized even by the council looking on and, and, and with what's happening across the church in the town and social action. And they are taking notice. We're having amazing conversations with the council saying we can help with the needs of the town. And having in conversations that just a few years back were just so far off the radar. And Ian has done an amazing job of, of, of getting into the council and to people who are men and women of influence and saying, come on, we can help you. We have a part to play. We're already doing it. We're already at the forefront of pursuing unity in this town of helping call the church, say, come on, we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to work together as churches. We've got to have a heart for one another in this, a deep love for this. I was just, again, listening to the message of Justin Welby um, five years ago when he was in Swindon, and he said, we should, we should think it's scandalous where there's disunity. It should be a scandal in the church. We think it's okay, and we just carry on with habits that kind of say, well, it's okay. And God, we're already, God is already taking us on a journey. With good news for Swindon, can I encourage you in this? Just one very practical thing, that as we gather to pray, 
and worship from churches across the town. We are one of the bigger churches in the town, yet we have one of the least representations on those evenings. This, for us, unity in the church and pursuing it is right at the forefront of our thinking. Guys, it, it cannot just be a leadership issue. It's got to be something that captures our heart and say, God bless your church in this town. Strengthen your church in this town. We've planted a church with Discovery and a couple of other churches from across the town. We are already working in unity. God has forged a friendship and a relationship with Tom who leads Discovery. And we've been looking at saying, how do we intentionally work together? Where can we work together? What does it look like for us to work together, to partner together in the gospel in this town? Intentionally saying, what does that mean for young people, for resourcing, for um, administrating the church in the town and, and for Gateway and Discovery? How, how can we best, most effectively serve one another in that? We are intentionally, in the days ahead, pursuing. I really believe that this is going to be one of the defining features of this new era is the church begins to be obedient to Jesus' prayer, that we pursue unity. I believe church is going to look very different in the months and years to come. We've got to get our hearts ready for that and be open to change. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on the future. We've got to continue to talk about church planting. I know we've talked about Bassett and our hearts, just so you know, is still for that, believing God for that. Al and I and Emma just met with a, a couple who are planning to move into... In fact, they bought a house, had the offer accepted on Friday... They've just moved in or moving into the town to come and plant a church in the town. And, and they made contact and just said, look, we, we really feel God's leading us to come and plant in the town, but we know God's doing quite a significant work here. Can we just talk to you about what that means? And we're just, say, just saying, can we help you at all do this? Is there any way we can help you succeed in what you are? That's unity. And it was such a significant meal. And I really look forward to John and Laluna and their family being here. And we want to cheer them on in their mission. There's more churches to be planted right across this town. Expressions, outposts of the kingdom of God in all kinds of ways that probably, if I'm being honest, once upon a time we might have said, that doesn't look like church. But in the days ahead, we're saying, that is absolutely church. We, we are actively pursuing new friendships in the days ahead. Um, God is bringing us resource in a way, in this area, that in a way it hasn't happened before. And Janet, when she was with us as a team and praying with us, she said, um, she was just praying for us and she prophesied this, said, there's going to come such a steadiness and strength amongst you. And I see that from time to time, God is going to begin to add people, send them from other networks, other ministers, just to put a brick in the wall to help consolidate and build this house. And, and God is adding friendships to us with Tom and the team at Discovery. In fact, just this week on Thursday evening, we had our two, all of our, our two site teams and Discovery site teams together here. We set the room up nicely and we had a meal together as teams. It's got, friendship's got to look like something. And it starts with relationships. So we just had a great evening of, of spending time together, eating, um, forging fellowships. So it's not just me and Tom that have got this thing that doesn't impact us as people, but as teams, we're saying, hey, we're brothers and sisters. We share the same vision for this town. We worship the same God. And what a great evening it was just eating together and laughing together. Great to work with John and Laluna and look at the future. It feels like God's given us some friends in those guys and um, Martin who leads the church where they've come from. There are others too and I just want to mention one chap who, um, a guy called Mike Lillycrop who's part of um, Trinity Church London who, who we've just approached and, and just said, Mike, He's such a good friend of ours, and he prays for us and champions us as a team. And we've just said to Mike, Mike, would you come and help us in, in the next season? We, he, he's, be a father among us as a church. Be father us as a team. Just come and help us. Come and ask the hard questions. Come and Just come and encourage us. And he is so for us as a church. And I, I look forward to the day when we can kind of introduce you to him and kind of say, look, it's just Mike. He's, he's a good guy. And we've invited Mike. We've recognized, actually, that's been a gap for us. It's just people who are speaking into Gateway in a relational way, just on the journey with us. So it's been great to invite Mike in and, and see how that pans out in the future. But then I just want to finish with this. What does this mean for you and your part here at Gateway? Our, our heart as a team is we 
long for you to be connected. We long for you to be growing in faith, in love for God and one another. We long that your, the gifts that God has given in this room would be released. Leaders would be raised. We long that if you feel on the fringe and you don't know your way in, that you would increasingly feel, I am part of what God's doing here. Long that all of us are stepping out in service, whether it's here on a Sunday, in small groups, opening homes, serving one another in need, encouraging one another, praying and blessing one another, or out into the town. There is, we are in, as Justin Welby said five years ago, we are in days of unprecedented opportunity. We have a moment to respond. So, what's it going to take for us individually? to step into this. Well, over the coming weeks, there's a number of things in particular we want to do to help us on this journey. And the first is this. In a couple of weeks' time, we're talking about finance. Unashamedly, finance is a crucial part of our life as worshippers of Jesus. Jesus talks about money a lot, and we don't talk about it a lot, and that's actually a problem. And so in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be talking about money. This is going to take big resource. And it's on each of us, again, to come and look at that and say, God, what's my part in this? So we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks' time. Um, you don't need to miss that Sunday, I'll note. I just spotted who's here. We've got to rise to that. We're looking at what the bigger picture means for us. How do we structure ourselves in a way that best enables us as a church and as a team to, to, to serve and push into this sense of being a resource church together? So we're actively asking that. And I want to ask that you would pray for us and pray for Gateway in that, that this isn't just a, a, a paper exercise, but it's a fuel by prayer exercise, a fuel by faith exercise. I know it's, I'm just saying, I know it's going to mean we have to look at how we operate and how we work, because to focus in on this is going to take change. So please pray for us. Please pray for yourself in this time. God, what's my part here? If you are feeling on the edge, please come and talk to us. Please get into a small group first and foremost. Please find your way just to get connected. And then in a, in, a, in a few more weeks' time, we are going to be looking at membership in Gateway. Really intentionally, we've put membership on the table, and we're saying what we want to do is to, um, to preach and teach into membership, what that means at Gateway, because it hasn't featured among us for a, for a very long time. We just know that God's leading us to say, come on, we need to say who is with us. As shepherds in the church, we, we've been feeling that, just going, come on, who is with us in this? And if it's 20% in this room and those who aren't here who are really with us, we need to know that. That's important. And so we, we are going to be talking about membership, and then our plan is off the back of that is to basically, over a, probably quite a long time in reality, but take time to then work through the church and say, hey, is this where you belong? What does it look like for you? What's your part in this? And to help people get connected. So we're going to be doing that work of membership in the coming weeks. I'm super excited about that and what that means for us as, as the call goes. Brothers, come with us and we'll do you good. Sisters, come with us and we'll do you good. And there's a, there's a responding into that, I believe, that as we respond into that, all of us together, to one another, for, for you guys as a body, to us as leaders as shepherds, as we respond in faith to that. I believe that God's going to unlock some of this next season for us. I'm just finished with this and then I pray. There's a, there's an, um, a story that's told about the Concord, that in 1976 when the Concord was released, and it's the first commercial supersonic jet it was this aeronautical marvel that took place twice the speed of sound across the Atlantic, less than three hours. This, this engineering, feat of engineering and collaboration between France and, and the British governments, the French and British governments, that was just beyond its time and just this incredible um, feat of engineering. Mark, you went on it, didn't you? Mark Owen. Was it worth it? See, it was worth it. But the reality is it could make this trip from London to New York in less than three hours, but from day one it was a loss-making profit, uh, adventure. 
It never made a, it never made a profit. It could only carry about 100 people at any given time. It's operational cost meant it was never going to be this global thing. And keeping the Concorde in service for 27 years, whatever it was, it cost the governments, the French and British governments, billions of pounds. Successive governments committed to pay this money in this loss-making venture. Why? Because those who had developed it had so heavily invested into it that they were unwilling to recognize that there was an element of failure in what they were doing. It's great to be able to fly across the world quickly, but if you don't make profit, it's, something's not right. And the Concorde is, a, is a, such an example of a phenomenon and behavior that economists call the sunk cost bias. And if you open the Oxford Dictionary, you'll even find the term Concorde fallacy, which continues which refers to continuing pursuance of a failed idea or project so as not to waste the, resource, the resources that have already gone into it. Why am I saying that? I believe that as the church at large, and not just Gateway, but yes, also us, but the church, so much of what we do, we've shaped ourselves and we've got so familiar with how we do it that the idea of change, we, kind of, we, we operate a bit like the British and French government. Well, let's just keep going. We're this far down the road. To turn this ship, to turn the plane, would, it's kind of beyond our thinking. But in this new era, I feel like God is saying, come on, you've got to break with some traditions, some ways of being, and we've got to do the courageous step of embracing and embodying a new way of understanding, looking on, kind of going, what does it mean to be church? And my heart for each one of us is that that is our question. Where do I belong? Does it do me good? Am I plugged in and connected? But what does it mean to be the church? Because for so long we've lived in a consumer culture where we go, this is what it looks like. I just Every week I invest myself into a Sunday. Some of us, I invest myself into a community group midweek. Even less of us invest ourselves into serving people. We're so, but we are so into doing this way of church that we're not realizing There's a whole loss-making thing going on at the same time because God has called us to be an out-there people. He's called us to say we're here for the sake of Swindon. The call from the church, the call from Gateway, the call of unity is to say, don't worry, world, Jesus is alive. He is faithful and good. And if we think this is the church, what we're doing, this is the church, by the way. But this is not the totality of it. This is meant to be the point where we are motivated and people come in hurting and are encouraged and strengthened and built up in faith, ready to go again. Say, yes, God, you're with me. You're faithful. It's where gifts are meant to be unlocked. It's, where, it's not where you come to, to get leadership kind of going, here, here you go, here you go, here you go. Have a nice week, here you go. I'm oh, sorry that's going on right now. No, come on, we're about a mission, church. Even if it's in coronavirus, even if in two months we're at war, We are about a mission, and we have to restructure ourselves and go, let's stop just piling billions of pounds into the old system. God is saying this is a new era. We've got to take courage to say, maybe it looks a bit different to how we've been doing it thus far. So that's my heart for us in the days ahead. It's not that what we've done has failed. There is so many amazing stories, so many faithful men and women among us giving lives to one another and to this town it's not that what we've done is wrong but God is saying I'm doing something new there's a new era the nations of the world recognize it but the church needs to recognize it too so can I invite you to stand father I pray for us right now I pray for each and every person in this room and everyone who would call gateway home who isn't here this morning I pray that your grace would be upon us in these days, I pray that, that we would go with a, with a, from here this morning with a, with a desire to serve our town right now, being very present today among our families and neighbours. Even bothering to go and knock on our next door neighbours to say, I just want to check you're all right with everything that's going on. I pray, Lord, make us a present people in this town. Make us a visible people in this town, Lord. Would you release, even now as I've spoken, I pray that through your spirit you would unlock fear among us, Lord, that you would break the power of fear among us. For those who are in fear in this room right now, I'll just say, be free from fear. Fear, go in the name of Jesus. 
Pray the confidence of the Spirit of God and, and the work of Jesus upon the cross and the hope of resurrection life would be your portion today. Father, I pray for us that as we say, what, what does this mean for us as a church and for, for each one of us in particular to, to say we, we, we see ourselves and understand that God has called us to be a resource church. Father, I pray that you would begin to first of all call us to intimacy with yourselves. Lord, the, the, the being church doesn't start by getting busy. It starts by coming to you, the one who loves us and calls us to yourself. That you would draw each one of us to you. That we wouldn't be worried about, is it this or is it that? Or what does this mean? Or what about that? Look, first and foremost, we would find ourselves being drawn to you again, afresh. That where faith maybe has grown stale and, and prayers become hard and, and, a, and a duty rather than a joy. I pray, would you release among us? Fresh appetite to, to run to you, to enjoy you. Holy Spirit, come fuel that way of being in us again, that as we gather, there will be great joy and expectation among us, that God is with us, that we come to not just sing songs and, and, and listen to somebody, but we come to encounter you, the living God. Lord, I pray, lift our sights even this morning as we go from this place. Lord, that we would be a church that is marching forwards in these days, not resting back, saying, we're all right, sorry the rest of you while you go to hell, but Lord, we would care deeply about those who don't have the joy of knowing you as we do. Lord, put that right out there on the forefront, that the icebreaker for us would be, there are many in this town who God has appointed for salvation, and he is faithful and calls us to get busy. Lord, as we give ourselves to you, I pray that you would unlock dreams and visions just as you've done for Rachel. I pray that story would be told many times in the coming days and weeks and months, that we would be motivated missionaries in your kingdom, ministers of reconciliation, servers of those who are struggling. Lord, we pray, now come fuel our thinking, come fuel our finance, come fuel our, our need, our lack, everything that we are, come fuel us as worshippers and followers of you that we may say, the kingdom of God is here, that we may see it break out among us. For your glory, we pray this, Heavenly Father, for our joy and for life, we pray it also. Be with us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.